welcome back to Brown, Bad, and Bothered. I'm your host, Andrea, and if this is the first time you're tuning in, I hope you have a kick-ass time exploring this podcast. Don't forget to stop, drop, roll, rate, and review, and subscribe. Just a heads up, I'm in a Desi household right now, back on holidays visiting my family. So although I've given my parents a very polite, strict warning about the volume levels and control, if you do hear some background noises and disruption, whether it's from my little puppy, our pet birds, my annoying little brother, or my parents, please excuse the chaoticness. So getting to business, do you know what I find really ironic about South Asian society? We have some of the best heart-wrenching, blood-pumping, and wholesomely romantic movies. Yet, when it comes to off-screen romance and relationships, I feel like a lot of us are actually quite lost. And it's a mix of things. We aren't allowed to date, so we live a double life as youngsters and don't actually know what we want and need from our partners. We are told to not speak up against abuse, so we stay in toxic situations. And some of us, or I guess many of us, haven't seen our parents have honest, healthy, open communication or show intimacy. And I think this has an impact on the way we're able to maintain healthy relationships or even leave toxic ones. So on that note, today I have Natasha joining us. So Natasha, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Andrea. Thanks. That was that was an amazing intro. Um, so as you said, I'm Natasha and I'm a relationship and divorce coach and I'm based in London. I'm also a single parent to a 10 year old. Well, it's 10 going on 15, but <laughs> that's a whole other topic. Um, I started off as a life coach many years ago and then I did some training with Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi and they were talking about finding your dot. And having been through divorce um, myself when I was quite young, my son was 15 months at the time, um, I realized that there was still so much stigma attached to it and so mm-hmm. much shame. And I grew up in a relatively liberal household, like a relatively liberal Indian household, and I still felt so much shame and I just thought oh my gosh how do you know other people who don't have that support that I have feeling Mm -hmm. and so I did some further training and became a divorce coach but as I was working with people um you know within divorce coaching I realized that a lot of people didn't actually need to get divorced if they'd kind of had some coaching prior to getting to divorces doors as such um and so I did further training again and became a certified relationship coach and now um you know a big part of what I do is is to try and break down the taboo and the stigma attached to divorce within the South Asian community specifically but also to work on people's relationships Mm -hmm. because you know, and you touched on this in your intro with regards to communication. Mm -hmm. So communication is not something that was explicitly taught to us. It was modeled to us by our our parents, our caregivers and people around us. And we took that kind of model and it became our blueprint for how we show up in our relationships. Um, Except the people that we're in relationships with are not the same people who we learned that from, that method of Mm -hmm. communication. And so if the model wasn't um, great or if the model doesn't serve us at the moment or if the models change because it's simply 25 years later, we need to be changing with that. And communication is such a big part of why many relationships start to break down. Mm -hmm. And definitely, and like even with communication, when you look at our societal norms, 
men in general, but especially Desi men aren't taught how to even like express basic emotions. And then you have the other side of the spectrum where women are told to just keep quiet and shut up and get on with things. So like, I think within the South Asian community, it really dramatizes that if the impact that a lack of communication can have in any sort of relationship. I want to go back and say that first off, you are probably the first South Asian relationship and divorce coach I've seen. So when you reached out to me, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then we obviously hopped on that introductory chat to figure out like, okay, what are we going to talk about? And I was like, okay, it's going to be more about like divorce stigma and like how to go about divorce. But then you brought up this really important point where you also wanted to talk about couples reconnecting and the fact that many of us don't know how to reconnect to have keep intimacy present throughout a relationship. But before we do dive into that, I do want to know as a baseline, what does love mean to you? And what does a healthy relationship look like? Wow, (laughs) that's a really loaded question. What does love mean to me? So I don't think I buy into the notion of unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something that a lot of movies you know, want to have you believe. And I am a total victim of Hollywood romance. I mean, my all-time favorite movie is Love Actually. Um, You know, and whether it's Serendipity, When Harry Met Sally, You've Got Mail, like all of them, I bought into that whole, like, that's what love is. And I think that was one of my biggest life lessons um, to realize that actually (laughs) that's not what love is. Um, To me, I think love is when you have two people who allow each other the space to be who they are um, and the freedom to do what they need to do um, and have open lines of communication. So that's not Mm -hmm. to say, you know, because at the moment I feel like in terms of what is love, the pendulum is swinging so far the other way to overcompensate for people who haven't had the opportunity to be free in relationships. And Mm -hmm. now we're going so far the other way where it's like, I can do what I want. Like I need to have the freedom and that's causing some relationships to break down as well. I think it's about, you know, bringing that pendulum back to the center and being able to say, okay, well, you know, I love you, but I need to be able to go and do this for a month. And then the other person being like, cool, I got that. I want us to be together. So I'm going to look after this so that you can go and do that. And it's having that space to to be who you need to be while also wanting to be together. So yes. it's, you know, it's a delicate balance. But I think that true love allows each, in true love, you allow each other to have that space and that freedom. Definitely. And I look at my relationship with my partner and I think that was one of the lessons he really taught me was in previous relationship because of societal norms. I was always told like, as a woman, you have to do everything to make sure your partner's happy that sometimes you put yourself second. Whereas like my partner, David, he's like, no, like your independence, your free time, your passions, your hobbies, you need to make time for that. Like I can't be the only important thing in your life like you need to make sure that you're putting yourself first and then I come after that like we have to give each other the space to be independent and come together and independently be happy and make each other happy from there and that was such an important because I wasn't even like thinking about it I knew that's how it should be but we're almost wired to think like oh it should be this all-consuming love where like we're so intertwined but it's like it should just be two parallel parts individually working together towards the same goal while having our own experiences and priorities 
Yeah, 100%. And that that uh, idea of being like, you know, intertwined doesn't give the other person the space to be who they want to be. And actually, what you just said is pretty much what I was going to say in answer to your question about, you know, what makes a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, a healthy relationship to me is one where you have open lines of communication, but also where you aren't putting yourself at the bottom of the pile because that isn't healthy. You know, I have some people who come to me having been in a challenging relationship. So, you know, a woman, for example, and she will say, you know, and I did this and I made all the sacrifices and I didn't work and I raised my kids and I did everything I had to do. And yet he did this. And that's the problem. You know, that's the problem. That isn't healthy. If you made all the sacrifices and you did everything you thought you had to do and that person didn't then do what you thought they needed to do, that wasn't healthy. Putting yourself Mm. at the bottom of the pile and constantly making sacrifices isn't, in my opinion, a healthy um, relationship. And in some ways, um, although it can be quite jarring for some people, I truly live and believe um, the line that people treat you the way you allow them to treat you mm-hmm. and for a lot of women that's quite hard to hear and I and, the, and I don't blame them because at the end of the day if you were raised to be told that you had to um, you know make the sacrifices and put your husband first and allow him to quote-unquote be a man and all that sort of stuff and then you went in and you did all of that and it didn't work out and and you think but no but I was told to do that and I did that and now it didn't work out um, you know it, it's it's not easy to kind of accept that but I think in some ways by doing that you have shown him how mm-hmm. you, how you're okay with being treated mm-hmm. yeah and it reminds me of this phrase just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal and it reminds me of this whole culture that's happening of cheating and the acceptance of side chicks because you see a lot of women and even men today where they're in a relationship and every other aspect seems fine except they know there's some level of infidelity going on but they're like well every around everyone around me is cheating or being cheated on so maybe i just have to accept that this is normal where like it's just because it's common doesn't mean that it's normal and yeah and I think you know even with these like um backwards or misogynistic social norms that women especially face in relationships they're probably in that same mindset of like oh because my husband treats me this way even if I leave him I'm probably going to find someone else who does the same thing because that's what's expected from our society so I think there's also that fear of like what if it doesn't get better if I leave Yes. And it's interesting that you said that because I had a client I was talking to yesterday and she's in the process of, you know, getting divorced. And and naturally she is terrified. She's a little older. Um, And everything was like, oh, but I look at people around me and, you know, they are anyone who's been through divorce and they're quite depressed and they're really struggling. And it was very worst case scenario. And I literally said to her, but you're making that up and she was like what everything you're saying is a story that you're telling yourself about a future that hasn't happened yet right you're saying here today you're you're saying oh my god I'm going to get divorced and then I'm going to be depressed and I'm going to struggle and you're literally create you're telling yourself your future even though it hasn't happened yet so then we went through two scenarios I was like okay here's one scenario and told her what you know told her back what she told me and I was like here's another scenario and I described a much more positive scenario where she was now free and she had you know she was happy and she was uh, in another relationship and I was like which feels better 
And she's like, obviously the second one. I'm like, but none of them are true yet, right? None of them are true yet. She was almost, I'm like, you're making up your future. So if you're yeah. making it up, what sort of future do you want to make up? Because the first one does not sound good to me. Mm-hmm. So make up another one. You know, people seem to forget that often we, I mean, I'm a big believer that you can, play a huge role in creating your future and manifesting what you want by the way that you show up but like you said we're so hardwired we're so culturally conditioned mm-hmm. to only see divorce in one way yeah in one manner yeah and that, that's why when I did get divorced I, I will be honest I I was for the first year like felt like a victim and felt really angry but once I got over that I realized that I wanted to be a model of what a very happily divorced person could look like mm-hmm. um you know and so even when people would say like to me oh where's your husband or you know where's your son's dad or something like that or are you married um I would smile and be like oh no I'm happily divorced and they don't know what to do with themselves <laughs> they're like oh oh uh okay oh cool, cool. <laughs> you know? no but I love that and that's the that's the power of positive thinking and reframing your mindset it has such a big impact just like on your daily basis and like lifting that like heaviness and pressure off yourself and just being like, screw it. Like I've done this for me and I need to have hope that like things can get better because at the same time, like once you've, once you've reached rock bottom, the only place you can go is up. And I think sometimes we forget that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think people do forget that. And also, you know, I I also said to her, I was like, you are different from the other people because you've taken that step to recognize, actually, I can't do this alone. I need help. I've hired a coach. So now this is, this is my role to, you know, to shift your energy and to make you feel better about a choice that you've made. Um, you know, and maybe the other people need to do that because, again, something else that people are like, really? No, but what about this? What about that? Is when I say happiness is a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I am totally of the belief that happiness is a choice. And mm-hmm. um, the only reason we end up feeling really bad about things is because we're going over the story over and over in mm-hmm. our minds. And it's something that's happened in the past. So, you know, I think there's a statistic that says something like when you go through something, your body responds to it like physiologically only Mm -hmm. for like 90 seconds. But the reason you stay in that cycle of like pain and suffering is because you keep going over that story over and over in your mind. And it's why, you know, you can think about someone you might have lost or something you experienced 10 years ago and tears Mm -hmm. will spring into your eyes because your body is responding to that. And that, and, and so with that in mind, if you can get emotional and have a body, a, a reaction in your body to something that's happened in the past that upset you, you can also have a reaction in your body to something in the future that excites you that hasn't oh, wow. even happened yet. Yeah. Because your body doesn't know the difference. Your body doesn't know the difference. So do you want to look back and say, he did that and, you know, he treated me like that and stay stuck in that pain? Or do you want to look forward and be like, I'm going to be living on my own. I'm going to have the freedom to do what I want. I'm not going to be walking on eggshells. How does your yeah. body feel then? You know, like feel into your body and, yeah. and which one excites you? Focus on that. I'm absorbing all of this. Like I need to keep this in my mind. <laughs> no, that's great. That's such yeah. a beautiful way of like looking at it and healing and dealing with the situation. So growing up, we obviously like spoke about, especially as youth and young adults now navigating relationships and dating for you. 
what was your experience with dating relationships, whether it was as a participant in dating or an, or an observer of people dating around you? Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I have so many thoughts about dating because I don't think that we're doing it right. Um, I don't think we're doing it right. First off, there seems to be this idea that the only way to meet anyone these days in the modern world where people don't come up to people in bars and just chat is online dating. Um, I don't believe that's true. When I decided to come off all the apps because it just wasn't, I I didn't enjoy it, you know, Mm -hmm. and again, I I felt into how I was feeling. Um, I made a list of all the ways that I could meet somebody else. And I think I had like 60 odd things, you know, 60 different ways I could be running in the park and bumping to someone. someone oh, my God. Introduce me to someone. I could lock, you know, make eye contact, lock eyes with someone on the tube. I, I mean, someone could bump into my trolley at the supermarket. Like there are, I, I wrote 60, but there's Basically, probably loads more ways. On top of that, like meet cutes that you get in rom-coms. Like those are just the yeah. old school little meet cutes yeah exactly sitting next to someone on a flight you know I mean there's so many ways another dad at the another single parent at the school gates you know there's so many ways that you can meet someone so um yeah I I think you know believing not believing that apps are the only way to meet other people the other thing is and I always compare to going and getting your nails done you know how you go and get your nails done you know if you do that and they give you a massive basket of like all these colors right and you go through them and you find like two that you like but rather than be like cool I'm gonna go for those two because you've got this entire basket of colors you're like what if there's one that I like better let me go through the next one. What if there's one that I like better? <laughs> I can see you. It's like, yeah. right? Oh, I have, I have something to say after this. So go on. And I'm going to tell you yeah. like, oh, just go on. <laughs> and, you, and you go through the basket constantly looking for a little bit more, even though you love the color you found in the second mm-hmm. palette of colors. Mm-hmm. And I find dating apps to be a lot like that you know, people will go through them and they'll meet someone and they'll really like them. Like, But what if there's someone better out there? So they'll go and meet somebody, you know, go on another app. And this is becoming quite damaging because you're always, you're coming from a kind of scarcity mindset of this is not enough. And you're always going to be looking for like that one thing better. And I don't think that's the best way to approach, approach yeah. a relationship. What, what yeah. do you think of that? Oh, definitely. I agree with you. And like, I know this exists everywhere in the world, but I feel like it is 10 times worse in Dubai because Dubai is basically Love Island. And on the weekends, it's all about going for brunches. You pay a flat amount, unlimited alcohol. You have the hottest people in the sexiest bikinis, the sexiest swimwear. They have money. They look good. They pay a lot of money to look good. They're there for a good time. And I've seen so many people in relationships who are trying to get into a relationship, but they're always either cheating sort of cheating or never able to settle down because they're like every weekend they go and I'm like oh I found someone who looks better or I found someone who's more fun or someone who looks more like my type and there's always this like mindset of basically like I can always find better so even though half of these people are actually with a partner that gives them what they need to like satisfy these needs in a healthy long-term relationship in their mind they wired to be like basically what you're saying there's something better out there or the thought that they could be something out there it's really damaging a lot of relationships and it's damaging the ability for people to even get into healthy relationships 
Yeah, spot on. Exactly. And it's really funny you said Dubai. I have a funny story about that. I was there in February uh-huh. and I went to brunch with my friend and my brother and his friend um, to Namos, uh, Dubai. Okay. And Oh, yeah, bougie like, girl. <laughs> and, you know, I know, it was my first time. <laughs> and you know how in the UK, if you go to the loo, there's often a long queue at places and it's to use the loo. Uh, there was no queue to use the loo in Dubai. There was a queue to wash your hands because everyone was touching up their makeup and their highlighter in, in the mirror. And even though I was like, I don't think you could possibly put anything else on that, you know, on your face. Um, It was just like you know like oh my there's a spot there's a spot that I have to put a little bit of highlighter on and I was just like excuse me can I please just can I please just wash my hands please coronavirus exists I'm just trying to wash my hands I just want to wash my hands yeah please oh it's a whole other world I like I still ask myself how did I find David in Dubai and like just find someone literally a month and a half into moving there because like it's so hard to find someone there whether it's a girl or a guy like the dating scene I just look at it and I feel so bad for single people looking for a genuine connection over there the culture is so horrible um yeah but it's awesome because you are an example that it does exist and good people exist and that you can actually be in a committed relationship even when it appears on the outside like it's going to be really difficult yeah yeah I think we also have to move out of that mindset because I probably have that negative mindset. Like, oh, if I was single now, it would be so hard for me to find someone. But like your thoughts become true. Like if you're just going to sit in that bubble, then it's going to feel that way. And it's going to be that way more than the opposite. Right. Exactly. And I, and, and again, to, to add something else to that with the whole dating thing, I think it's really important to work on your mindset when you're going into dating, because mm-hmm. what ends up happening is a lot of people end up what I like to call desperate dating mm-hmm. um, and that's this idea of like oh my god like I have to you know I have to meet someone and I want to meet someone and a lot of people leave it and then they're like no I want to meet someone because I want to have a family and in that desperate dating just ask yourself what energy am I bringing to this mm-hmm. because you lead you're, you lead with your energy and it's really you know it's really obvious when you're kind of there and really excited and you want to meet someone and your energy is one of like abundance versus mm-hmm. I'm going to date is this worth my time no it's a waste of my time okay like you know that whole like are you it no okay next like that frantic kind of mm. energy is not is not kind of um conducive to finding yeah and I will say this like I've always Mm -hmm. been open to dating and I noticed the times where I was more calm obviously I was looking for love but when I wasn't frantic about looking for love is when I always met the best matches and when I did end up getting into a relationship whether they're my exes now or not I always found the best partners when I approached it in a calm way and I wasn't being frantic or desperate but going (laughs) to divorce um how would you describe what south asian divorce stigma is like what is it actually made up for for the listeners who aren't aware of that and how do we overcome it yeah so i think that the biggest thing around the stigma is the idea that a woman needs to keep her family together like it's her responsibility to keep her family together no matter what you know i remember when i was married an uncle said to me you know Natasha like he can do you know whatever he needs to do men need to be able to do what they need to do but as long as his slippers are beside your bed every morning 
that's what matters. And I remember I was like, I think 27, 28 at the time. I'd been married for like four or five years. And I just remember being like, wow, like, is the bar that low? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He can do whatever he wants as long as his slippers are by my bed every morning. Like, yeah, that did not sit well with me. So I think it's the idea that you would put up with whatever. And then it's, so that's one part of it. The other part of it, which isn't talked about, but it's this idea of a woman not having needs. So not having sexual needs, Mm -hmm. for example. So he can go out and do what he wants. You know, even even when they're younger, there's like, you know, people will off you hear people say, you know, it's okay, let him go out there and get it out of his system before he gets Mm -hmm. married. Mm -hmm. Get what out of his system? (laughs) You know, and do you not think do you think it's only a a male thing that women have don't have any of those needs? Um and the third point, which is yeah, I guess this contributes to the stigma. And I think it's something that's really, really important. I talk a lot about it on my socials is money. Mm-hmm. If people don't talk about money. And yet the only people that I see who come to me either with my clients or within friends, friendship circles or people who just, you know, ask me if they can chat because they need someone to talk to is this issue with money where women aren't in the position to leave because they've chosen maybe to be um you know a stay-at-home mom and mm-hmm. therefore they're stuck in this relationship because mm-hmm. then you know the man holds all the control around money and then that becomes a big a big part of um you know the stigma attached to it because some people you know their parents might be able to support them for a little while if they go back but not everyone is in that situation and so then you quite quite literally are stuck right in in um yeah in a marriage because you can't leave purely because of financial yeah reasons yeah definitely and I agree with you and I'm actually because of that and that whole issue I'm actually having the uh, friend of mine she's a content creator but she worked in the financial industry for a long time and she's coming on uh, for the next episode to talk about the importance of financial literacy and financial independence for South Asian women because when you look and this is I guess going to play a part in the next question is a reason a lot of the previous generations of women didn't leave their marriages was because they didn't have a financial security blanket yeah 100% exactly and and that uh, also takes me to the point that you asked me like how do we start to overcome this stigma and Mm -hmm. you know so the the biggest way is through conversation so conversations Mm -hmm. like this conversations with friends and also education so educate your parents and you know I want to just caveat that actually because for two reasons number one is you have to do it with compassion so you have to understand that parents are living you know their lives based on you know what their version of the world and what they know and so that the and the way that they raised you didn't come because there wasn't love there or didn't come because they were trying to hold you back it just came from their belief systems Mm -hmm. right so and that's that's totally fine so when you approach it with compassion so rather than say to a parent you don't understand it's like this now or it's like you know this is the way it is and you need to change I mean but they can't because they weren't told any better they don't Mm -hmm. know any better so it's dropping it in, in in a compassionate way, giving them examples like, oh, do you know, 
um, this is what's happening now in the world. And they're like, oh, and give them an opportunity to ask you questions so yeah. that it doesn't, they don't just feel like you're suddenly pulling away their security blanket, mm-hmm. you know, the belief mm-hmm. systems that they've had for so long and the only way they know how. Because for yeah. a lot of them, you know, they might not, their belief systems might have been that they had to stay. That doesn't mean that they all didn't experience their own kind of, mm-hmm. you know, trauma with a small T or their own experiences with, you know, mother-in-laws or with their husbands. The only difference is they didn't have the options that we have today, mm-hmm. which is why we need to approach them with, yeah. you know, with compassion and call them out. So if you're having a conversation with, um, you know, somebody and you're talking about someone who's experienced divorce and that person turns around and was like, oh, you know, she must have been like this and she didn't do that and she couldn't stay together. It's you always know, a woman's that. fault. Always. That's yeah, that's what I said right at the start. Call them out. Be like, actually, maybe it's the fact that cultural expectations are really narrow. And so she she couldn't, you know, did that, oh couldn't put up with that. Or maybe, you know, and give them an alternative. Because again, with a lot of people, it's not that they just don't see the other side because they've never been shown the other side mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. show them the other side you know educate them and then and the last thing I was going to say was obviously and I'm so glad you're covering it next week is money talk about money you know let it be an open thing you know we we kind of cower or women are seen as very crass when they're talking about money and yet you know excuse my French but when the shit hits the fan the only thing that's going to keep that yeah. woman okay is if she has the financial yeah. means to back her decision. Yeah. So yeah, money, money, money. Talk about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's also very frustrating where even with educated women, right? Like you have mother in laws who are like, we want a daughter in law who has a degree in engineering or law or is a doctor, and then when she becomes a wife, oh, you don't need to work. And then these women miss out on having something on their CV apart from their degree and. They don't have money and then a divorce happens and then the husband side of the family has the audacity to be like, oh, she's just after us for money. She's a gold digger. How can she ask for money after marriage? But it's like you put her in that situation. But going off of that, my next question is a lot of aunties like to talk smack about the fact that our generation doesn't know how to make marriages work and that women are especially in today's society to blame for leaving their husbands. So where do you... What do you have to say about that? And what's your stand with that? Because a lot of aunties are claiming that there are more failed and unhappy marriages today compared to the past. <laughs> I have a lot to say about that. First off, um, what makes a successful marriage, right? So a lot of these aunties have only one kind of barometer when it comes to what makes a successful marriage, and that's longevity, right? If your marriage lasts for the 40 odd years, even if behind closed doors, you're desperately unhappy, but but you were married, they were married for 40 years, they were married for 50 years, you know, and that's celebrated. Um, I don't want to take away from the institution of marriage. And, and one thing I do have to say is that although I am all for women, this system, like the patriarchal system, is doing a disservice to men as well. And I don't think that's mm-hmm. talked about as mm-hmm. much. And I also say this because I have a son, you know, and I wouldn't want him to be in certain situations. So the system, yes, of course, 100%, it, you know, holds women back. It puts them in a little box and it has expectations for them to be a certain way. And now they're starting to come out of their box, you know, like peer out like, oh, that's the world out there. Like, there's a lot more going on. I don't want to stay in this little box that you've put me in. 
But equally, we need to change how we, um, the expectations we have for the for the men in our life, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if girls are kind of groomed as such to say, you need to be able to make your marriage work and you need to be able to be the, you know, the homekeeper and look after your children and be there for your husband and put him first and take care of your in-laws. Men are then being told, well, you have to support your family. You have to be the man of your family. You know, you have to look after them. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of pressure. It is. As it well. is. You know, yeah. that's a lot of pressure to put. So like, for example, in the last two years, if someone is one of the, in, in a system in where it's, you know, the woman kind of has her place and the man has his place and those kind of very gender roles, um, he would have really struggled. The last two yeah. years has been, you know, a struggle for so many people. Yeah. And suddenly if business didn't go the way it didn't or he was made redundant or something like that, that you are then stripping him of you know all those uh, his role as such and so I think it's uh, you know these aunties need to realize that it's actually marriages aren't working because both people are in roles that are just tight you know and Mm -hmm. and boxed up and we need to change the way we um, tell both men and women what their roles are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and moving away now from divorce uh you play a huge role in trying to get couples to reconnect. And why is that so important when divorce sometimes isn't the answer for some couples? Yeah, so in terms of the statistics, let's look at the statistics. Statistics in the UK, for example, for first marriages, it's something like 45% for a divorce. And for second marriages, it's even higher. It's like 70 something percent. And then for third marriage, it goes way back low. And the reason I'm telling you those numbers is because we look at divorce as being quite easy. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know about anywhere else in the world, but for example, in the UK now, in April, there was a rule that's been passed that you don't need a reason to get divorced. You don't have to you know, put a reason down. You can literally just apply to get divorced and say it wasn't working out, right? Now, while wow. that's been... Um, yeah, well, that's been, I guess, historically a good thing because people aren't forced to A, make up stuff, B... Um, you know, put stuff down, assign fault, assign blame. So this new rule is the no fault divorce. So now you can get divorced without a reason. So it's become really easy. But that's not to say that you should, because I mean, I used to have people who would come to me and the more people I spoke to, I realized that actually if they'd seen a relationship coach prior to going through the experiences, and I'm not even saying when your relationships become really challenging or when you hit rock bottom, Mm -hmm. even when you start to feel that kind of friction and that tension come in, to speak to someone to kind of compartmentalize your thoughts and figure out what's really going on here. Because you know this with communication for example we were not you know taught how to communicate I think I said this earlier it was you know displayed to us and so a lot of people when they go into relationships aren't communicating in a way that's landing with their partner Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people themselves don't know how they like to receive love so for (laughs) example I was talking to a client a couple of weeks ago and I was like so you know do you know have you heard of something called love languages she'd never heard of it I'm like okay let, I want you to take the test because I, based on what, off of what you've said, I have an idea of what yours might be. But do you know, how do you like to receive love? Like, how mm-hmm. do you feel loved by your husband? And she she had no clue. And yeah. so if we don't know how we like to be loved, how do we expect the other person to show it yeah. to us? 
Definitely. And we have to become more transparent with what we need. Yeah. You know, what we need. And like on love languages, like when I look at my previous exes, like a lot of our fights and tension were because I sort of have most of the love languages, especially words of affirmation and physical touch. So when my partners wouldn't give that to me, they would show love in different ways, but always be like, I do this for you. I And I'm actually genuinely a giver. And some of my exes have been a bit of takers. So there was always this like felt like a power imbalance. And then with the fact that like we had different love languages and I didn't know, we didn't like both of us didn't know love languages existed. There was a lot of friction coming from then a lot of fighting and, you know, like, bitterness and resentment building in the relationship so when I got into a relationship with David we both found out what love languages were and we did the test and it's still funny because like I said words of affirmation is my most the one that I have the higher um, affinity to his is literally zero percent so even then like whether you know it or not like it still then takes effort to reach a healthy compromise and middle ground but it makes a big difference when you're able to recognize that like I like to receive love this way but I also like to give love maybe a different way yeah yeah and understanding that also helps with your communication so for Mm -hmm. example if you are someone who you know words of affirmation is important to you and your partner is coming to you and wants to say something to you knowing that words of affirmation is important to you can allow him to communicate in a way that lands with you so he might sit you down and say you know um I really appreciate the way you do this. I'm so grateful that you do that. Now you've already, you're, you know, your chest is rising. You're feeling yeah. good. Your heart is expanding. You're already feeling better. Yeah. And then he might be like, but you know what? I have an issue with this or I want, you know, I can, can I get some support with that? Mm-hmm. And, but, but he's raised you. He's raised you because he knows that words of affirmation is important. Mm-hmm. And so then if you were to fall slightly because you're like, oh, wait a minute, you know, but your defense mechanisms are down, your wall yeah. is down. And, and equally, if someone else's is um, physical touch, you might actually like give them a hug or hold their hands and then talk to them. So they're feeling yeah. loved and supported in that moment while you're delivering something that yeah. you need to say. Yeah. And I think another part of it also is just because you have a certain love language doesn't mean you can force your partner to give you that same love language like it's still at the end of the day needs to come from the heart and it can't be forced because then it's not meaningful and that's something where David and I have had to constantly look at rework evaluate like is this feeling genuine like um I do feel like it's coming from the heart like I don't want to be forced so and it goes both ways like I've had to learn to do more acts of services but when I do it I make sure that I'm doing it in the mindset where I want to, and it's not because I feel like it's this give and take, it's an equation and we're doing maths with it, you know, and it does take time to figure that out when you do have starkingly different love languages. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It shouldn't be transactional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And, you know, you mentioned that it's important sometimes that couples think about, you know, they can consistently work on reconnecting before or working on the intimacy before issues come or even speaking to a professional before it gets to a point where there's a lot of tension and friction. What advice do you have for younger couples or couples who are still early in their years to maintain a healthy, connected relationship? Um, Great question. Um, So I think honest communication is really important if you say are in your early 20s and you have those feelings of I don't know how he's going to take this I don't know how she's going to take this so I'm just not going to say anything at all red Mm -hmm. flag 
you know you need to be able to be honest if this is the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with and we should should still be going into relationships and marriage is like this is what I want like you know Mm -hmm. and I say this all the time like you know divorce isn't something that you should think of before you go in like going and thinking okay well it's fine if it doesn't work out because I can always get divorced no we want you know relationships to work we want them we want people to stay married at least I do um you know so honest communications you should be able to say something to them no matter their reaction Mm -hmm. um so you're not walking on eggshells either okay and the second thing is I would say when something comes up like reflect spend a little time reflecting ask yourself questions ask yourself questions like what's really going on here you know go Mm -hmm. a little bit beneath the surface because Mm -hmm. the way we show up in the world so often um, is a reflection of things that we've experienced, right? It's like I said, everyone's living, you know, life based on their version of the world. And so ask yourself, what's really going on here? Or if you're getting annoyed about something, what's really going on here? Why is this, you know, coming up for me? Um, and then the, the third thing is, let's get over this idea that you need someone else to make you whole. And I know when we spoke last month, we touched on this. And I loved what you said about like your relationship with your partner. but work on yourself to come to be whole to come together with your partner as two whole beings who can support each other and be there for each other Mm -hmm. as opposed to my other half my better half like don't see yourself as missing or lacking Mm -hmm. you know see yourself as as whole and together you're this amazing massive circle Mm -hmm. Um, yeah that's also a lot of you know responsibility that you're putting on the other person yeah and saying that, like the final thing is just know that your partner is not your everything. Yeah. You know, people are like, he's the everything. And A, you place all your happiness on that person. So if that person changes, your happiness changes. It, your happiness should be based on you. Mm-hmm. But also, um, they can't be your everything. Like, imagine the pressure on one person mm-hmm. to be the person who makes you laugh, the person who's serious, the person, you know, who's able to to be there for you yeah. emotionally the person who's able to talk politics with you the person who enjoys going for dinner with you yeah. like, you have girlfriends and colleagues and yeah. family to, you know that whole well, let's go back a little to the it takes a village you yeah. know whether Definitely. that's raising kids or or with your partner your partner cannot be everything that that is so much pressure yeah. on one person and I think it can be your most important thing yeah and I think it's also with this whole social media the whole elevated ride or die um Mm. culture with relationships where like you mentioned like you expect your partner to be everything will smith sort of said this best i can't remember the quote verbatim but he was essentially like you know i make my own happiness jada makes her own happiness and then we come together and we we share that happiness and we up like elevate it you know but you cannot expect your partner to make you fully happy and I remember in previous relationships for me, sometimes I'd put too much happiness in my partner and I'd expect them to make me happy. Like that responsibility was fully on them. And I remember my previous relationship, like I would call my ex like, oh, you're my son. And he would call me, you're the moon. And like, you know, the sun symbolizes like happiness and like, you know, sunshine and warmth. And when we broke up, it was like, it was very, very hard for me because I suddenly had this huge hole in my life and I didn't know how to make myself happy and then 
I went through this whole process of like healing and I was going through depression and anxiety at the time for other reasons. And I remember I finally like got myself like a sun tattooed on my arm over here. And it just represents that like, I can be my own son. I can be my own happiness. Like I'm able to give that to myself. And I told myself like, I need to remember that the next time I get into a relationship, like that is a message for yourself that you can never, never forget, no matter how in love you are with someone, that responsibility is on you. Yeah. Exactly. I like that. Stay in, be in your light, right? Stay in your own. Yeah. Life. Do you have any other messages or tips that you'd like to give up before we wrap up? I think my, I think the biggest tip is just keep the conversations going, you know, keep the conversations going. Even if you are someone who um, is a more traditional thinker, that doesn't mean that you can't listen to a conversation without believing or buying into what the person is saying. Mm -hmm. you, you don't know if there's one thing that you could take from a conversation where you're like, oh, okay. And then that little part of you changes. So just just stay open to the to the conversations, listen to people who have been through things and also try and find it in you to support those people. So mm -hmm. I will tell you from experience that although the kind of um, story and narrative around um, a woman who's getting divorced might be that you know, she's made a choice and she's leaving and she can't put up with this and you know she's not able to stay in that box that box is a very lonely place. Mm -hmm. It's a very lonely place. And when you're kind of breaking the mold, breaking the system, getting out of that generational cycle, it's a really difficult thing to do. And mm -hmm. so for the person who's going through it, and I think people underestimate that they just think oh she can put up with it and she walked out and it's not like that if you knew the thought process and the sleepless nights that went into deciding actually I need to leave this situation and especially because you know I also had a, a son um you know how difficult it is and so I always say to people that if you hear about someone who's going through a difficult time or if you hear of someone who who you know who's um you know, marriage is a little bit challenging rather than picking up the phone and call your best friend to gossip about it or talk to someone else about it pick up the phone and call that person and ask them be like are you okay can I how can I support you you know is there anything that you need because that would mean the world to someone who's in that place because mm -hmm. it's such a lonely place you know you kind of feel like I can't I can't say anything to anyone yet what if I don't actually leave what if I everybody's going to know that I had problems in my marriage you know everybody knows that everybody's relationship has issues but we're all so desperately trying to um depict the perfect exactly the facade the social media you know I have a couple of clients one in particular now who's like um in the process of getting divorced and she's just like I keep getting cold feet. I keep getting cold feet. She knows she's made the choice that she wants to go, but it's such a terrifying, mm -hmm. you know, the prospect of being alone is so mm -hmm. terrifying. And so, you know, if you hear of it, find a way to show that person some support. And if yeah. you can't you know, give them support for whatever reason, even if you send them a one-line message that, yeah. that tells them you're thinking about them or that you're there for them, that would make the world a difference. Mm -hmm. So definitely. Find of those people definitely thank you so much for that and for the listeners what can they expect from you as a divorce and relationship life coach 
what does that entail? Yeah, so I work with people sort of across the spectrum of relationships. So I have a couple of clients who want to attract a relationship, um, you know, want to manifest that love in their lives. And I work with them and then people who are in a relationship or in a marriage, um, you know, who want some support with it. Um, I love when people call me, they're like, I don't want to get divorced. I'm like, great, let's let's work on this. Um, and then, you know, people who have chosen to get divorced and come out the other side and they just need some emotional support to to go through that so across the across the spectrum and as you know I'm very active on um, Instagram at, mm -hmm. at Natasha Coaches um, and I also have a um, Facebook group called No More Small Talk um, Ooh. And it's, yeah No More Small Talk let's go deep um, and it's um, you know advice tips tricks and um, all about relationships I go live answering different questions every Wednesday um, and it's just a very supportive and safe space to talk about relationships or anything you might be going through. Oh, I love that. Natasha, thank you so much for hopping on today. I love everything. Like, I'm such a cheesy romantic. I love talking about <laughs> relationships, issues, relationships, yeah. a good side, everything. So this was just such a joy for me to sit down and talk to you. And I know that my listeners are also all about love. So they're going to really love this. They, I'm sure they're going to take everything and absorb it. Um, thank you once again. I'm going to add your Instagram details and also your Facebook for if I can share the link for the group. Oh, yeah. Be, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you All right. for having me. Oh, Thank no, I'm you. happy. And everyone, make sure to follow Natasha. Reach out to her if you need some guidance and help. Don't feel shy. Relationships are important. And finding a happy, healthy relationship is, you know, if that's a goal, don't be shy. Reach out to her. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And I'll see you guys soon.